ever episode of I'll Be There For You, a podcast about pop culture and coping. I'm Lindsay Ennett. I'm the host and producer of I'll Be There For You. And each episode, I bring in a friend or a person I admire to talk about a piece or two of pop culture that got them through a difficult time in their lives. Why am I doing this? Why am I subjecting you to yet another pop culture podcast? I want to do this because I love talking to people about the things they love and about how they practice caring for themselves in the very difficult times in which we live. I don't have to tell you that shit's fucked. So I hope this show will be an opportunity to explore the strategies we use to contextualize and cope with the world's literally on fire and look at how our love of pop culture can shine a light on those methods. And so our first guest is a very dear friend of mine. Lindsay Schroeder is a comedy writer, producer, and performer in Chicago. Her shows include the Not Your Shows series and the recently sold out Unattached <laughs> at Second City. They emphasize comedy and storytelling from women, LGBTQ plus folks, performers of color, and other voices in comedy that are not straight white dudes. She is the founder of A Lot to Unpack, a forthcoming blog and multimedia project. Before we jump in, I'd love to hear more about what A Lot to Unpack is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I, over the past year or so, I've been struggling with my mental health, with dealing with anxiety and depression at a, at a heightened level. I've always kind of been an anxious person, a nervous person, a little reserved my entire life and not so great with the sharing of feelings and stuff. And this past year, I went through quite a rough time with my mental health and and wasn't really sure how to talk about it or to even acknowledge what it was. And so there was a lot of things that I, I leaned on my friends a lot during that time um, and realized that there's so many, you know, there's so many people going through hard times mentally and don't know how to speak about it and don't feel that they can or don't even know how to articulate the words of how they're feeling or why they're feeling that way. There's still such a stigma and it's still such a struggle. And so I wanted to create just kind of an online platform, especially for the queer community. I think that it's it's a little trendy now to be talking about mental health and and to unpack all of your issues and stuff especially on social media but really I wanted to create something that would provide information and a sense of community and that we can all speak about these things and that it doesn't there need there doesn't need to be a taboo about talking about how we deal with our mental health issues and how we deal with them as a peers, as people helping each other out. And and also prioritizing self-care became a huge thing for me. I didn't really understand how important it was until I kind of let that go out the window for most of the year. And so I want to talk to people about how they, what has helped them get through, you know, what has helped them with their self-care, self-love, all of those things. And I think still not enough places out there for that, where people can feel that support and community. And so I just wanted to create that. It's a work in progress. And so it'll be um, several different types of content is what I'm envisioning. Awesome. That sounds like a really compelling project. And it's funny that you mentioned it because self-care and conversation is what this podcast is about too. Yes. We're doing a synergy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. You know, not everyone has access to a support system. Right. Or a or not everyone can afford to go to therapy. Or I want to create a safe space for people to feel like they can come in, they can read, they can watch, they can see themselves reflected in others and mm-hmm. feel 
like they're not alone. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what you do with it. But today, we're also talking about pop culture and about escape. And I thought this was a perfect time to ask you what a, what have you brought in for us today? So my pop culture thing that has got me through a difficult time most recently is figure skating. And I know the the five listeners at home can't see this. But <laughs> you are currently wearing a Thank You Canada Tour sweatshirt featuring the names of most of the Canadian figure skating national team and also Elvis Stoiko. Oh, we love Elvis, don't we? We sure do. (laughs) Um, If you had told me that in the year of our Lord, 2019, I would be following Canadian figure skating legend Elvis Stoiko's dogs on Instagram... At the Harry Healer Trio, shout out. Yes. <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah. Please sponsor us, Elvis <laughs> We love you, Elvis. Yeah. Okay, this took it. So is figure skating something you've always been interested in? Since a very young child, since the first time I watched the Winter Olympics, which I'm trying to remember what year that would have been. I Probably the, the one I remember, first remember the most would have been 98. So Nagano. Nagano. It was a good year. You have Tara Lipinski, Michelle yes. Kwan. Oh, and that was such a big, there was controversy over Tara winning over Michelle. And I remember that being like, and I was young, you know, in 98, I would have been what, 12-ish? Yeah, Yeah. 12, around 12. So I was still pretty young and I've never really understood all the rules of figure skating. I just always thought it was so beautiful. So (laughs) the Lutzes and the Axles and the GOE. Exactly. Like I know those are all things. I listened to, you know, I listened to the commentary and I, and I tried to kind of pick up on what made a good jump and what, you know, what an under rotation was and that kind of stuff. But I never really got into the um, you know, the technicalities of it all. I just, I always thought it was just so beautiful. It was my favorite thing to watch in the Winter Olympics. And 98 was also the year of Saria Bonnelly, who, yes. oh my God. Yes, the famous backflip. The backflip. The backflip. Does it even time, matter? Which, like, no, it doesn't no. matter at all. It doesn't matter at all because she rocked it. 2018, of course, there was the Olympics in Pyeongchang, the Winter Olympics. And I, I love the Olympics. Just... I love the Olympics in general because I'm I'm not that big of a sports person. Never really have been. I've had a hard time kind of getting into it for I don't even know why. I just it's never really my jam except for the Olympics. I was gonna say I'd like to call shenanigans. I have seen your seventh grade basketball photos. I was terrible at sports. So maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's kind of what tipped off the I don't care about sports. I'm going to do theater instead. <laughs> because I was terrible at sports and I am not competitive. Like I don't have much of I mean I can be when it comes to like board games and stuff like that, but I wasn't competitive in sport at all. I didn't care if we won or lost, which like that's kind of a that's a problem. <laughs> No, I feel you on that. And like, I always struggled in school with my peers who would take the pickup basketball game at gym way too seriously. Right. And like feeling that pressure of if I screw up and everyone's going to be mad at me if I don't make this shot. Like, you don't need that, especially when you're in middle school and you've got like you're sweating and growing hair in weird places and just trying to get used to this awkward flesh cage that you're in. It's just the worst time. I never really, you know, I was the kind of person who 
didn't really have a big group of friends growing up. I would have one or two close friends. I'm an introvert and I used to be super shy and super awkward around people. And so not being that great at sports too, like on top of that, it was just like, I don't want to deal with this. There were so many, there was just a lot of, I just feel like there was a lot of politics involved too, which like, I didn't really care. I just wanted to have fun. Right. So back to Pyeongchang. Yes. So I remember going over to your house to watch the opening ceremonies. Just, I don't know, I, for some reason, you know, my year started off with getting a promotion at my job, which sounds like a good thing. It turned out not to be. It turned out to be a really just a very stressful thing, not a good fit. Um, just everything about it was not right. And that's one of the things that really sunk my my spirits this year and kind of really took a toll on my mental health because I was so stressed out all the time. And so I was already kind of dealing with that a little bit last February when the Olympics started. But I was so excited because I was like, oh, the Olympics have come around. I'm a big fan of just storytelling. I love hearing the narratives that go on around the Olympics. That's probably my favorite part. The most compelling part of the Olympics is the narratives. There are just so many characters. And yes. sometimes it's done in this kind of shitty, problematic way, like how mm. like the Tara Lipinski, Michelle Kwan thing was right. framed as this like bitter catfight rivalry when like look at them both now they're living their best lives oh, they're thriving and it's beautiful to see and i'm sure they still love and support each other and yeah. you know we can have two women that are absolutely at the top of their field and talk about their competition without making it some kind of bitchy cat fight exactly exactly and i remember hearing before this this last olympics I remember hearing, you know, you hear all the buzz about the Olympics before it starts. And so you see it, you see all this stuff on TV of like, here's who we're watching and all this stuff. Right. And who are going to be the main characters in this cycle. Exactly. And since I mostly only care about figure skating during the Winter Olympics, although I enjoy watching the other sports too. I just don't get as much into them. No, I feel you. We watched biathlon yeah. in in our <laughs> right. house. And it's pretty impressive how they do that. It's super impressive. But also just like nothing really compares to figure skating in the way of the performance. Mm. And listen, I'm a performer by nature, have been since I was a teenager. That's the reason why I love figure skating so much, I realize, is it's a performance. They're performing, they're in character, they're telling a story on ice. And it's really hard also. Like, it's a really difficult sport. And I think that people tend to look past the athleticism part of it totally to the like the floofiness and the pretty costumes and the you know twirling around on ice but like if you really think about it I went ice skating recently for the first time since I was probably I don't know 13 I didn't even I wasn't even skating for that long we were maybe out there half an hour and I was sore for like three days like it's hard <laughs> I mean like you think about the just like the p combination of power and balance mm -hmm. to do something like a quad jump where yes. you have to like get yourself up there rotate four times land and like make it look good right and also figure skaters get hurt like all the all the time all the time it's very risky and add in the the layer of it's a judgment sport 
oh god and like back to talking about Surya Bonnelly or mm. like even Tanya Harding mm. the way right. and there are probably other examples that are more recent of this argument between athleticism versus aesthetics right. and oftentimes that conversation delves into the sports blind spots around race and around different body types right and oh right yeah the whole um yeah so anyway I love the performance aspect yeah let's let's skating. talk about why figure skating is great yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. And so going into this, the Olympics this year, I was super excited to have a bit of a something to kind of pull me out of the kind of stressful, you know, work stuff I was dealing with. So I, you know, was seeing all the pre-Olympic coverage, something that I remember sticking out in my mind was when people started talking about Adam Rippon and about how, and I couldn't believe this, but how he was going to be the first out figure skater to perform at the Olympics. I remember being like, wait a minute. It's 2018. Are we really just, is this true that we're really just now going to have the first out figure skater? And not only was he the first out figure skater, but he's so just, I was like, wow, okay. And then I got really excited. I was like, yay, representation. And from such like a magnetic personality. Oh my gosh. Too. He just, his personality and his personality extends beyond his sport. You know, it, he's very, he's such a force. He's such a presence. He was unironically America's sweetheart. Yeah. And so when I started watching things about him and hearing about him and stuff, I was like, this is great. Like, look how adorable he is. I can't wait to watch what he does. And so I got really, you know, I just got really excited and pumped up. I was like, yes, I can't wait to get involved in this world again. Right. Like, can you picture Michael Phelps being like, I'm just out here trying to impress Reese Witherspoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no, not at all. No. <laughs> no, that would never happen. I loved it. I was like, oh, he's funny, too. It's great. I was like, this is he's definitely going to bring a love a different level to this and um, and this to year. have an athlete interview that's not just like, I'm going to go out there and give it 110 percent. After he, I think it was after his short when he was getting interviewed by Andrea from NBC, and she was like, "Well, this is pretty cool to be here at the Olympics, right?" And he's like, "Andrea, like, yeah, it's pretty cool." <laughs> Talk to me about uh, a routine or a set during that Olympics that really resonated with you. Walk me through the how that made you feel. I one of the um the. I guess the areas of figure skating that I probably knew the least about was ice dance. I, think I don't really remember watching it that much when I was younger or even really realizing what it was. Like, obviously, I knew what it was. It's like it was like pairs, but without the throws and the jumps. But I hadn't really paid that much attention to it in past like Olympics and stuff. I hadn't really followed it at all. Um, as I was watching the ice dancing well, first of all, I watched the team events um, because that's all what they all start with. So I was, as I was watching the team events, that's great because you kind of get to see all the different skaters from all the different countries and like what they're going to be doing at the Olympic. And so as I was watching it, got to the Canadian team who, which like they're all so amazing. And I remember watching. Well, there's there's two routines that stick out to me. I'm gonna, only going to talk about one of them because we don't have time to unpack all of them. <laughs> <laughs> one. Um, being Caitlin Osmond's Edith Piaf 
Oh my number. God. Yes. I am a huge Edith Piaf fan, have been for quite a while. And watching her, I know everyone loves her Black Swan routine that she did as well, her, her long program. But to me, her Piaf number was just absolutely incredible. Oh, I sobbed. Yes. I, I was like weeping during her Edith Piaf program. And I don't know if it's just like the combination of, you know, watching something so skilled and beautiful while hearing Edith Piaf. Yeah. And like all of that kind of coming together. But, yeah. oh, just. There was just this grace to her performance and it was just like, man, who is this girl? She's amazing. But the one that sticks out the most and the one I will be talking about today is um, the ice dancing routine from Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer to the Moulin Rouge like medley, which, okay, so I vividly remember watching them perform that during the team event. And I remember thinking, Oh, they're doing Moulin Rouge. That's interesting because that's an old movie. It's a little, it's been a little overplayed, I would say. We are approaching in the year of our Lord 2019, the 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Of Moulin Rouge. Rouge. Right. Which is kind of wild to think about. I, so I really loved that movie. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. They're doing a routine to Moulin Rouge. I wonder, you know. Okay, cool. So I remember watching them and being like, wow, why? how have I never heard of these two before? Like, they're incredible. Like, every every single movement they made was in sync. Like, I know that's what their job is, to, like, move together on ice, like, perfectly. But, like, I had never seen something so, like, mesmerizingly good. And I'm watching it, and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just feeling this, like, I couldn't stop staring at it. And... A lot of the routines, I'll be honest, they were great, but I kind of had them on in the background kind of thing. Like I was doing other things while watching and I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. But I wasn't like laser focused on it until I saw this and it kind of just stopped me in my tracks. It's like, wow, this is incredible. The music was perfect. Every single movement they did was perfect right on the, on the music. Then I remember, <laughs> this is where it gets maybe a little weird, but we're going to go there. In the middle of their routine, they do this lift where she does like a front forward flip onto his shoulders. Her legs are up on his shoulders, but like facing him to where literally she's sitting on his face. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what just happened there? And I had to, re- I, luckily I was DVRing it. I paused it. I rewound. I was like, I didn't see that right. I didn't. There's no way that that just happened in front of my salad. (laughs) Like, I have never seen anything like this before. Like, I could not believe my eyes. So I paused it. I rewound it. I watched it again. And I was like, holy shit. Like, she she did a she did a front flip onto his shoulders is sitting on his face for like two seconds on the ice. And I'm like, did everyone else just see this? <laughs> From what I understand, not only did everyone see this, but it's like a signature move of theirs. It's apparently something they had done before in other routines, in other competitions. And since I hadn't followed them before, I, I didn't know that. And I'm like, wow, holy shit. This, th- they are amazing. Like they, they are going to win gold. I knew it. I was like, they are going to win. Like there's no way that anyone can top this. Then I want, you know, the rest of the routine was amazing as well. And I'm like, man. And then I was like, 
watching them in the um in the kiss and cry afterwards getting their scores and stuff and i was like damn they're extremely attractive also i don't know what it was i i just felt like i was like what is their story like i knew nothing and so of course i was like well now i'm obsessed like i just saw brilliance in front of me i just saw something that i've never seen before i need to know everything about them because that's how I am. (laughs) (laughs) So for most people, the kind of Olympic fever, everyone's on social media, at the water cooler at work, Mm -hmm. talking about the Olympics while Mm -hmm. they're going on. I wanted to know more about everything. I wanted to learn and just watching lots of different programs and stuff. Every time I would watch it, it would just make me feel better. It's always fun to share something that you love with with the people around you. And Mm -hmm. and I know you've brought that love to, to... me and to the rest of our our peer group i i'm thinking sorry i'm thinking about michelle kwan skating to river again oh my god oh (laughs) michelle kwan skating to river and not and not just i mean sam smith's version of river oh god see and that's the thing too it's like i wasn't like getting on the internet after all of this after all the olympics and stuff and seeing that i wasn't the only one who was highly invested in all of this it's almost like collectively we needed we needed this the world needed it (laughs) I mean, just looking on social media, you see people that are really still deep into it. Oh, like very deep into the shipping and the all of it, which like, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really care who's with who. You mean you don't want to read content in which Jason Brown is an anamorph? You know, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a snow leopard or something. Yeah, I still got it. I still need to get through that one. I but yeah, just the fact that there is fan fiction, there is there's a lot of projection going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. out there of like we want to see a love story. You have to be together. It's kind of the drawback of the way, especially with the Olympics, we push a narrative. Yes. And sometimes that narrative can go a little too far. Yep. It actually brings me to a point that I wanted to bring up. You've identified skating as a hyperfixation for yes. you. Do you want to unpack that and talk a little bit more about what that means? I'm definitely realized over the past year that I use hyperfixation as a coping mechanism, as a way to escape. And it's something that I've kind of always done, like reflecting back on uncertain times in my life where I've fallen in love with something, whether it's a TV show or a, a musician or whatever, that I I can't just simply love something. I have to go the extra mile to like fully engulf myself in it. And that's something I definitely did this year with figure skating. And you have to fully give yourself over to the cunnilifters. yes which everyone should. It's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think the part that I hyper fixated on the most with all this too, I think there's another, I think there's another layer to all of this in that I have a tough time with romantic relationships. I I have a hard time with being emotional, like, like I was saying, like being emotionally vulnerable. And so I tend to fall in love with people I don't know or who I will <laughs> never be able to have. I basically was so attracted, <laughs> so attracted to Tessa Virtue that I wanted to, you know, I fantasize about 
about it. And it's like, I just got, I just want to know what she's doing all the time. And like, who is she? And like, oh my gosh, like she posted on Instagram. Oh my God, abs, you know, just everything, every single thing about it was just, it was it's hard for me to explain. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. What's that book? She's Instagram. I have to read it. I have to read it. I have to. She's um, an extremely well-read athlete. Extremely well-read and sweet and just everything. She just seems like such a pleasant human. Add on the fact that she's smoking hot. And so I got super fixated on just her and her story and everything that she's doing. And of course, Scott, by extension, because he's her, he's her skating partner, but I, but I'm not attracted to him. You know, I'm attracted to them as, as a unit on ice and I'm attracted to their relationship. But physically, I mean, she was the one I was, I and still am incredibly attracted to. And I think that was more pulled me in even more so too, because I was like, not only is she an amazing athlete and like the most dec- decorated figure skater with her partner of all time, but sh- but like she she's just hot, <laughs> <laughs> and I. I'm feeling things and I want to express that, but I'm not going to express that towards someone who's who's real in my life because I'd be too vulnerable and that's that's too real. So I instead would use thinking about her and thinking about everything about her as a way to cope and a way to escape my shitty life situation. But do you think it's it's allowed you to thinking about her and kind of having this fixation and this blanket? of sorts has allowed you to be more vulnerable with the people in your in your life. Absolutely, which I think is the thing looking back on this whole thing is I'm really grateful for the weird obsessive thing that I got myself into because it has brought out yeah, it's brought out this feeling of being more being able to be a little bit more emotionally available with the people that are real in my life. I think I have, I still have a long way to go, but I definitely feel like I'm over the course of the year, I've been able to be more honest with my feelings and express them with friends, with close friends like you, you know? Yeah. I think it brought me closer to people in my life, like you and, and some other people in our friend group, especially because (laughs) we ended up going to Canada (laughs) to see all of these people perform. Yeah. This, uh, this fixation culminated into a trip to Quebec city to see the thank you Canada tour where all of the lovely people on your shirt, including Canadian figure skating legend, Elvis Stoiko Mm -hmm. performed. Right. It was incredible. I don't know how you felt watching it, but I, well, not only watching the show, but just the, the entire adventure that was us going to Canada. And this is not the first time that uh, an obsession of mine has led to travel, (laughs) 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 which like is seems, I don't know. I think of it as one of the most Sagittarius things about me is that I get so obsessed with something that I'm if whoever is involved is doing something and it's far away, I'm going to go see it, you know, because I love it that much. But I think it I think it's brought me closer to people. I think I've been able to be more in tune with my emotions and revisit and revisit my love of performance too. something that I didn't prioritize very much last year because I was always so in my head about work and, you know, everything else that I didn't do a lot of that. And now I've made it kind of like my number one priority going into this new year of making sure that I carve out time for my creative outlets and have 
that for myself. So your love of figure skating took you to to Canada this year mm-hmm. and take us through what you were what you were thinking, what you were feeling when you were seeing all these skaters you admire live at the Thank You Canada tour. It's kind of hard to describe because I think much like what happens when I go on stage to do a performance or something, I kind of blacked out during a lot of it. And I rem- it's weird because I remember bits and pieces of it. I don't really remember the full the full show or what order it was in or who did what numbers really. I just remember like little things that stuck out to me during it. The overarching feeling of the whole time was just pure unbridled joy. And that is something that because of the timing of the trip, like I had just quit my job, my the job that was giving me such horrible stress and horrible, you know, mental health issues. So to be somewhere watching something that made me feel so joyful and happy and like excited. I mean, you I mean, you know, you were there. You saw me in the in the cab how excited I was. I was just like bouncing up and down and like it was a happy anxious and I hadn't felt happy anxious in so long that I almost forgot what that feeling was. And that excitement to see the show was validated during the show because it was incredible. And it was just something that I'd been following, you know, for like a year and to see it with my own eyes reaffirmed my love for it and for them. And also kind of just reaffirmed that I can feel joy again can feel happy anxious for something because it's something I hadn't felt in so long it really came full circle it really did it's so interesting it's like it got me through like the beginning of my journey of that position with my job and then it was like the icing on top after leaving after getting myself out of it and it was just exactly what I needed in that moment of just to feel admiration, to feel excitement. I felt just very, I don't know. I I did a lot of screaming, I remember, which I'm sorry, because you had to sit next to me. And like that moment, just when I knew that it was going to happen, and it was something that I had watched over and over so many times from the Olympics, I was just, I couldn't, I was an out-of-body experience, which like, that's That usually doesn't happen to me when it comes to like watching performances and stuff. It's only happened to me a few times that I can think of. I remember screaming a lot and not, and just kind of just enjoying something and and not having to think about it to have that release of just like, wow, this is, it's just something that's making me happy and I don't have to think about anything. It's just pure emotion. That was really incredible. And for someone who doesn't, I'm not great at showing my emotions or expressing them or or whatever. I'm getting a lot better um, as I get older and therapy helps. But just to just feel, just feel emotions. It was it was awesome. How are you going to take that joy that that figure skating brings you and kind of carry it with you into the year ahead? I'm definitely going to you know have it as a reference point that things can always get better. Like no matter what. I'm feeling no matter if it's like stress from a job or from a a personal issue or family or whatever, I can always look back and say, okay, maybe things aren't going so great right now, but you have so many things in your life that can make you happy. And just to just remember that and kind of harness that joyful energy to turn the negative into a positive and be like, okay, 
how do I how do I find the good in this? Because I spent way too much time only seeing the bad in a lot of situations last year, especially, but even before that, even just in my past, like just seeing all the bad stuff and wondering how I was going to make it out the other side. I went through something pretty traumatizing and then, you know, I made it out. I, I got myself out of it. And so I know that I've got that the strength to do that again. And so when I think about this, like in that feeling of joy, like that's going to remind me that I'm I'm not stuck. Like it's going to be fine. Like it's just something that's going to pass and I'm just going to have to work my way through it. But to try to stay positive through it instead of breaking down over it. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to share all of that. Of course. Uh, and one, uh, one thing I always like to ask people who come on the show is, what outside of pop culture do you do to practice self or community care? For self-care, I've really realized the power of doing nothing. Um, it's okay not to be productive some days. And I, you know, that's something that I've kind of had to make my, my peace with and you know, because we're, you know, as people, as a society, it's always like, <laughs> what's next? You know, what are you working on next? What are you doing? How are you advancing yourself through your life in whatever way that is? It's like buying a house, you know, getting a promotion, getting a new job, whatever. But it's okay to stop all of that and just exist and allow myself the space to do that. And like during that, a lot of times I'll put my phone away. I won't like respond to texts or to messages and stuff because I'm like, this is, I need to just exist for a minute. So that's kind of one of the things I've learned is a good kind of self-care tactic. For me, it's like, it's okay to not always be on the go or always thinking about the next thing or doing the next thing. It's okay to let yourself breathe. Um, and then community-wise, I like to support my friends in whatever endeavors, big or small, that they're doing. So whether it's a show, whether it's uh, somebody wrote something, or, you know, I want to make sure that they know that I appreciate what they're doing and have my support. And so anytime I can show support, for the people I love, like that's that's a way I like to care for my community. And it's a great way to bring it back because you talked before about how figure skating allowed following it kind of encouraged you to embrace that that vulnerability and that, mm -hmm. that openness and right. with people. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it definitely has. And it's opened up that that side of me that that wants to, you know, I was always kind of quiet about caring about people, but now I'm a lot louder, I think, of like, I want to be loud about how much I love the people around me. Uh, the the gap in sound is is me be being real verklempt right now. <laughs> Before we get to, to in our feelings here, Lindsay, thank you so much yes, for being here. Where can people find you? People can find me on the Instagram and the Twitter at Linz Schroeder, L-I-N-D-S-S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. A lot to unpack.com. Check it out. It's launching soon. Thank you all so much for listening in. This has been your pilot episode of I'll Be There For You. We launch new episodes every other Sunday to help you beat those Sunday scaries. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us those sweet, sweet five-star reviews. If you have feedback, questions, or you want to be a guest on the show, you can find us at I'll Be There For You Pod at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye.